G'day everyone, welcome to another Tune Under podcast, the biggest podcast outside of the UK for all things Newcastle United tonight. I'm joined by Jack. Jack, how are you my friend? Very good, very, very good. I was spending the day obviously happy about the Newcastle result. I watched the Broncos in, uh, in Vegas, which was oh, interesting. Yes, they, they got beat. But um, yeah, they had like 50, 40, 50,000 fans there. Oh, did they have that many there? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they had that many. That was pretty fun, but there's nice. no way that the these NRL players are getting out of there unscathed. Like, the, there's a couple oh, of them will get arrested and there'll be some sexual assaults and stuff, yeah. definitely. No, no doubt. Yeah, felonies, as I'll call them in, <laughs> in the States. Um, so, yeah, we're we're going to hear talk about Newcastle, I guess, bouncing back to form a little bit, Jack. A, a comprehensive 3 0 win over the Ted Lasso, Wolverhampton, Wandering Wolves. At St James's Park in the traditional three o'clock kickoff, which was two a.m. for me, one a.m. for you. Which I actually, apart from the seven o'clock kickoffs for us, they're probably my favourite because I can get a couple of hours in and then a couple of hours after. So it's it kind of breaks it up a little bit. So I don't know about you, but I don't mind them times. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that was my strategy. I went to bed about nine, had like four hours. Back to sleep at three for another three hours. So really, that's not too bad, you know. Like yeah. it could be a lot worse. It's the, the the Sunday night, Monday morning graveyard ones are the worst, where it's like a half oh, two kick off. Yeah. So you wake up, at, it finishes at half four. You obviously can't get back to sleep straight away, and then you've got to yeah. go to work. So nah, yeah, yeah. I like the, Any, I like the one. Yeah. Any middle of the night on a school night's no good for anyone. I don't think <laughs> so. Um, I guess what we might start at the end. What impressed you the most about what we seen last night or this morning yeah it was it felt a bit like last season which is the one of the biggest kind of positives you can really give it like it was it was a, a comfortable win it wasn't always comfortable in the game we had to work for it it was a different kind of performance from us from what we've seen recently I think the clean sheet was obviously a, a big big massive bonus in this game um but just the way that we did some of those things that we used to do, like the, the high press was there. We counterattacked really well. We were pretty clinical. Uh, there was some nice, you know, nice defending going on. It was just a really well-rounded performance against what was a good team, actually, in a really important game if we want to be pushing towards U- Europe. So yeah. we'll get into it all, I'm sure. But it was just a very pleasing um, kind of routine victory uh, against what, like I said, a, a very decent team who've been in good form. They'd been... Yeah. Spurs and Chelsea in their last two away games, I think. So it was really, really was a good result and more importantly, a good performance in a big game. Yeah. So we we're but we we're nine and tenth on the table going into today. So we're very similar. Although they were probably in a bit better nick than what we were coming into the game form wise. We've been we've been pretty putrid for the last probably six to eight weeks. So it, it was really good. And I think, yeah, my, my biggest takeaway as a collective was definitely the way we defended. I think when you said the press, I think we, we kind of picked and choose when we did it and it worked really effective rather than, than doing that. Now, whether that had something to do with what was on the bench and we knew that we could rotate players and things like that, maybe that played a part of it. I'm sure it did play a part. How much it played, we'll never know, but we haven't seen it for a long time, but then we haven't seen a bench like this for a long time either. So I definitely think there's some kind of correlation there as well. But watching it, I don't know about you, but watching it, I kind of, it kind of felt like we were doing to 
Wolves, what teams have been doing to us for the last kind of six weeks was soaking up pressure and then players like Gordon and Murphy and Isak, three very quick players as well, and with Willock returning into the, the starting lineup, we just we counted and we counted with pace and we were direct and even Bruno found some legs a couple of occasions that I didn't think he had except for that header, I think, was a couple of seasons ago, that last-minute header as well. I haven't seen him run that far since then. Yeah, so that that was probably the best bit I took about it was we kind of adapted our game a little bit and we weren't just doing the same thing and expecting something different to happen. Yeah, it was it was smart, I think, from Eddie Howe to you'll have obviously watched what Wolves have been doing, and like we said, they've they've been in good form. They had a big threat on their right, at least for the first half, Neto, who's been brilliant this season. They didn't really have a striker though. Uh, two of their strikers are out. Huang, who seems to score Huang, yeah. ten goals every time he plays against us, he lives every time he plays against us. <laughs> so that was good, but. Yeah, like what you just said there about doing what teams have done to us. I didn't really think about it like that, but I think that's right. Like they did have a lot of the ball. They didn't create much in the first half. I think they'd only had, they'd had five off shots off target in the first half. They weren't really a threat. And we were very clinical on the break, which was good to see because we haven't done that for a long time. We haven't, we haven't had that pace. We haven't had that um, creativity going forward, really. Even though we've been scoring quite a lot of goals still, uh, it, this felt m- more controlled. It was less random and chaotic than, for example, the Luton or the, the Bournemouth games. Mm. Um, and obviously, we've we got our noses in front. And this time, we stayed there and like against Forest uh, in one of the home games where we got in front and just collapsed after that. Um, yeah. So just overall, a very pleasing, uh, pleasing performance. And we'll we'll probably get on to like what you said about the bench, I think, is right as well. Like you've got Isak and Willock who are probably only gonna play 65, 70 minutes anyway, but they can they know they can go pretty much at full tilt and we'll be bringing someone on behind them who can do what they've been doing, you know, who can go and do that, that same job. So it makes a massive difference and it, it just shows like what we have been missing, you know, when when you've you've got you've actually got a bench, what a big difference it makes. Yeah, so we'll we'll chuck the lineup up. I've just got our starting lineup. I don't really care too much about Wolves' starting lineup because I'm sure ninety five percent of the people wouldn't know their full eleven from week to week anyway. So I think I think the let's start on the bench. So Carrius return, um, Lasalle's Barnes, Kraft, Hall, Livermanto, Almiron, Anderson, and Miley. Like that. That's probably as good as we've had since or well, the end of October, probably after the. It might have been before the first PSG game where we started to get a bit uh, crippled and things like that. But um, the 11 was Dubravka, Trippier, Shah, and Botman returned from a spell midweek. Burn back to left back, which I'm sure raised a few eyebrows when the lineups were released. Like you said, against Neto, there was there was some definitely question marks and stuff like that. Bruno, Longstaff, and Willock in the midfield, and Murphy, Gordon, and Isak as a front three. Now, I think... Uh, there's been a lot of question marks about Sean Longstaff in these last kind of few games, but I think the difference between him and, and Miley at the moment is that Longstaff offers a little bit more defensive cover, and I think Bruno's definitely been playing a bit more ahead of the ball, a bit more closer to goal in the last few weeks as well. Willock, we know, is really a, a strong runner and, and likes to get forward as well. So I think as much as we've all been critical of Longstaff and things like that. I think he's probably needed at the moment as that sort of defensive balance in that midfield three. And it definitely played a bit deeper 
as well, which kind of helped compact the field. And probably, I think we'll get to Dubravka a bit later on, but I think he nearly benefited the most with having his defenders a little bit more closer to him. Mm. Yeah. With Longstaff, it was another game where you didn't really notice him. Like, And that's not always a bad thing with Longstaff because he's doing a lot of un, unheralded work. Uh, but when he gets the ball, he's he's not on it at the moment. He's just not not in form. Like there was an occasion where he fell over and didn't get a free kick as well. That seems to be what he likes to do as well. So I I love Sean Longstaff. What he brings is is you know his character, his his influence on the culture of the team is really good in the squad. Um, but you know he, he's not been in good form. But at the same time, you probably do pick him ahead of Miley. Miley needs a break anyway. He's played twenty five games now this season, which is absolutely yeah. <laughs> and he's played absurd. nearly. 90 minutes yeah. in all of them as well like yeah so he's he's needed a break so i think it's good that he's had a, a rest the, the last two games longstaff's got good energy we know like he's got a good engine so that's he's still got that even if he's not in great form so and he, he does provide that bit of you know that's probably more defensive miley has been caught out a little bit sometimes on that side with uh with dan burn as well so yeah, I wasn't really su- surprised at that. I wasn't surprised at all that Dan Byrne started as well because uh, Eddie likes him and, and he trusts him. And I think we've kind of got through the stage where people kick off about Dan Byrne playing because uh, people just expect that he will now. Yeah, um, it's not and a all, shock. All, all Tino can do is play as well as he is when he comes on and we'll talk about his goal later. But yeah, people, yeah. Tino's not a left-back as well. You know, he's not actually a left-back. He's, he's right-footed, so... yeah. He's got less experience playing at left back than Dan Byrne as well. So, and Byrne's been all right the last few games. So, yeah, yeah, yes. Um, so I even thought he was all right against Arsenal. Like Saka's obviously one of the best wingers going around at the moment. I thought he contained him pretty well. I think we we're all terrified of what was going to happen, but I know he scored, and it was a bit of a weird goal. And we spoke about it last week. It was kind of in slow motion. I think that it was like the slow ball in cricket that kind of just deceived mm. everyone and ended up in the net, but. Yeah, the start of the game, it wasn't – it definitely was a, a noticeable change from the way you've been playing, like you mentioned earlier. It, was, it wasn't chaotic and, and like basketball where it was just bouncing from end to end and everyone was strapping yourself in, who knows where this is going to go. But we did open the scoring in the 14th minute. Uh, Fabian Shah, we might – we'll touch on him later on. He was instrumental in all three goals. But the interception was pretty – I guess standard, like it wasn't great and, and everything like that. The key was the early ball out and and got us sort of going forward, which caught everyone off guard. And and then yeah, Gordon comes charging down the pitch with Bruno and his shots blocked and the kind of spins into Isaac's path who who nods at home. Now I'm a a self confessed crush on Alexander Isaac. So let's just get that out of the way first. And that finish was a lot harder than what it looked. It looked like a like a pretty easy finish, but with the ball and the way it was spinning and it like it could have gone anywhere. Like there was no real pace on it where you just had to direct it and, and go back in. But I don't think people appreciate how hard that is and how easy he makes it look. <laughs> Well, it's, that's what he does, isn't it? Like he's he's just a brilliant player. Fifteen goals now for him. Like he's he's not. He's it's been stop start again for him. But he said actually himself after the game as well. He's still getting his fitness back. It takes a while to get your, your match fitness. 
Um, it was, like you said, Bruno's lung-busting run, which he, he can do. Uh, he's not the quickest, but he was miles away from the action when the ball broke out. He must have been on the edge of our box when Shah passed it out. Mm. Um, and that kind of goal, you've still got a lot of time when Gordon gets the ball, like or pretty much in his, in his own half, even though we've got a good attack on. A lot can go wrong. Like they could overthink it. He could tr- take it and shoot himself. He'd get blocked. He could have tried to pass to Isaac. You know, they, they had to be smart what he did. And then Bruno got the reward. He got his a, a look, kind of a lucky deflection, but the shot was going on target anyway. And like I said, Isaac was there. I think if he'd have missed it, it would have been classed as a bad miss, but it was still a, a good, good finish to get his head on that, direct it into the back of the net. And it yeah. Was and it was very. Good, good yeah. time to score a goal. And, and it was. It. I think it, yeah, just settled the nerves. I think everyone was a little bit cagey still with our form, what could happen and things like that. And I think just to get that early goal without playing in a chaotic way, just kind of settled everyone down. And we kind of had that cushion now where we could sort of get to work a little bit. And I think the longer, the sort of the, the more the game went on, we kind of grew more into how we were, how we were playing with that little tweak and, Felt a bit more confident. I'm sure there would have been a few, maybe a few nerves early on with a new kind of system and not playing that front foot aggressive stuff, especially at home. But I think it was more of the, once they seen the rope-a-dope work once, I thought, and knowing that Wolves were going to have to keep coming at them now to try and get a goal, I think that kind of grew in confidence that this is going to work and, and we're on the right track here. And it wasn't long, I think it was 32, 33 minutes um, Gordon scores the second goal. Another quick ball out. Shah plays it forward. Murphy, and we, it was a glorious day on Tyneside. Let's let's not mention the weather. <laughs> um, he just puts it right in the corridor of uncertainty, doesn't he? It's but the keeper and the defender. I think it was Kilman, just sort of smashed into each other and. Gordon's the first one to react and, and smash it home and, and 2 0 up after 33 minutes, and things are looking good. Yeah. And like you said, it all started again with Shah at the back, who played out a lovely pass. I think it went to Isaac first, and then he laid it mm. out to Murphy. First time cross, which was really good. I was thinking at the time, just put this in, you know, like I was worried he was going to take a touch and lose the opportunity. Yeah. Bit of, bit of fortune, maybe, but. Like I said, the weather, it was like sideways sleet at, at that point, I think. Yeah. So it was, you know, it wasn't good. So it was probably a you start. know it's bad you know you know when people put their head down that's when you know it's real bad <laughs> the rain is really it actually hurts your face yeah it was it did not look nice so it was smart from Murphy to put it in there into that into that position yeah a bit unlucky for the keeper but it was a good poacher's goal Gordon's played up front quite a bit this season he's scored ten goals now this season which is more than which he ever is a great return Evan. yeah I was gonna yeah. say whoever I think he's, even the most positive Newcastle fan wouldn't have imagined that he'd be scoring 10 goals a season for us. And it's not, it doesn't feel like a flash in the pan. It actually, this, the way he's playing and things like that, like it actually feels sustainable. Yeah. Unlike kind of Almiron last year. Yeah. He's got, um, he's got nine league goals this season now. So that's only three less than St. Maximan got in his whole Newcastle career in the Premier League. So, there's still Actually, people defending him. <laughs> you said that about Newcastle. No Newcastle fan would have thought that. If you go back to the preview pod that we did, I said that Gordon would get double figures, goals, and assists this season in all competitions. So he's only got five assists officially because uh, you don't get assists for penalties. 
for winning penalties. If yeah. he had, he would be almost up at 10 already. But um, nah, he's just been brilliant. Like, and he's played so much football as well since the, the summer because he played in the Euros. He needed it, I think, to, to get his touch in and to get, he needed that time last season to get used to what Eddie Howe needed from him. And he's just absolutely flown this season. Uh, and he's he's done it in two different positions. He's had to go up front sometimes. Like recently a lot, he's been having to go up front. It's so impressive what he's done. Like, and he scored all different kinds of goals. That was a typical you, you could that was like a Callum Wilson type poacher goal he scored today. Yeah, he scored right place, right time. And beautiful goals like against the one against Man City really stands out. So he's just full of confidence. The one at Chef U was pretty good too, for yeah. memory. Full of full of confidence, full of ability, full of just he's positive. You know, he's just been a brilliant signing, an absolute snip at forty million. And if he doesn't get called up for England soon, he, he was twenty three last week, I think. He's you know England on the left hand side are not blessed with great options at the moment. You've got Rashford who's been having a bad season and a bad time. Grealish as well, he's injured. Like it, Sterling's doesn't seem to be in the picture. So I think Gordon's probably the most informed left sided attacker English at the moment. So. Yeah, hopefully for him uh, he gets. Look, yeah. It'd be good if he got a break over the summer, but hopefully for him, he yeah. wants to play for England, so and he deserves it. I think. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not as obviously involved or intrigued into England as what you or other people and some of our viewers and listeners might be. But on the surface, I can't understand why you would pick Marcus Rashford ahead of Anthony Gordon at the moment. It is. They, they couldn't be more different players right now. And even for the whole season, I think he, he hasn't been good for the whole year, Rashford. And you can't – anyone in a, in a sane state of mind can't pick someone based on their form for 12 months ago. Like, you actually have to reward good form and, and everything like that. And you've got a guy who absolutely works his socks off. He was His work rate again today was absolutely unbelievable. And he's, he's scoring and, and things like that. He can draw fouls. He can help help you get up the pitch when you're under the pump and release the valve and things like that. I just can't. And it'll happen. It, no doubt that Rashford will get picked and, and start most games before Anthony Gordon will. But to me, as an outsider, with no care in the world how England go in, in any major competition, it baffles me how he won't get picked on this, this tour or this tournament and... Or if he does get picked, he'll, he'll barely play and he'll have Rashford and that ahead of him. And even even the last, was it the last win, the last international break when Cole Palmer was picked before yeah. him as well? Like it, it was it was baffling. Yeah. And I, yeah, like no wonder you never win because shit like this happens all the time and you don't actually reward blokes who were playing well and you just keep picking the same guys and expect something different to happen. And I think part of the problem this time is there's only one international break, I think, which is coming up quite soon. Something in a couple of weeks, the, I think, yeah. Before the, Euro, before the Euros, there's only one break. So there's only one squad before the Euro squad to get in. But Southgate's not traditionally been um, a very adventurous manager, it's fair to say. He sticks with no. who and what he knows. So, yeah, like I, I don't know what more Gordon could have done this season. He's played, like I said, he's played almost every game. He was brilliant in the Euros and he got... The under 21 years, you got player of the tournament there. The England, tournament. <laughs> yeah. England usually like players who they've had in their youth setup as well. They like bringing them. 
there's there's definitely no question marks over his attitude now, which there was previously as well. Or which, yeah, which Everton fans would have had us believe was a big problem. We haven't seen any of that, so no, he's just not brilliant. One. Like, but you know, as long as it's our game, like he could do with a break. He's played so much football. If he does have a break over the summer, get three months off. Let's just watch watch him get even better next season. It's only no. got to be a good thing for us. Yeah, he's in a win win, isn't he? He gets to represent England in a major tournament, or he's going to get three months off and come back and absolutely ripping Nick. So, um, the second half, I think we soaked up the pressure pretty well. There was a few. I guess half chances from Wolves. Debravka made some very important saves, especially kind of in that sort of second half of the second half. He's had a great week, hasn't he? He was crook, crook a week ago, and he's he's pulled us out of the shit in the FA Cup and probably kept a clean sheet and, and helped us get three points today. Yeah, like he's had an absolutely brilliant week, and he deserves it. You know, he's been at the club for a long time. I know that. Him going to Man U on loan left a sour taste in some people's mouth. I don't care about that. I think, you know, fine. He was he was upset that he wasn't number one anymore when he hadn't really done anything wrong. So that's, and, and he went to one of the biggest clubs in the world. So been been over that before. He's come back. He's, I, I wasn't worried, too worried about him being, um, being deputising for Nick Pope. But then he didn't have a great time. He's not Nick Pope, so he's got a different style. He doesn't come off his line as much, which causes a problem. But... Shot stopping, like uh, I think Dimmy was saying on the last pod, that's never been an issue with him. He's always been a good shot stopper. Like you said, in this th- in this second half, there was three efforts they had on target within the space of five to ten minutes, and a couple of them were good saves, really good saves. So it, it wasn't just that he was commanding his box really well. I think the defense had confidence in him. It was just a really good. You can tell that he'd he'd had a good game in midweek. He was full of confidence. And he put in a really good, strong command of performance today. And it was really, you know, a really important part of his getting the clean sheet. So good on him, you know, like he's he's had a hard time. He's conceded a lot of goals since Christmas, uh, but he's come in and he, he was probably one of our best players in this game today. And in that really important period where we really needed him, he stepped up and it's all he can do. Really good for him. Yeah. And I, I think I mentioned this with Mark last week that, it was kind of on Eddie to change the way we played. The keeper such an important player in his his system and things like that and how he wants to play. We're obviously not going to drop him. He's going he's gonna to play until he's either not fit or Nick Pope's back. So I mentioned that it might be time to maybe change the way we played to suit the way, suit the keeper we have at the time. And that's what he did. Everyone kind of dropped a little bit deeper and, it was really, really effective. So I'm glad. Obviously, we know that Eddie is a big fan of the show and and things like that. I don't. I don't think he watches. I think he, he's more. He listens to the audio, the podcast on the way into work. So it was he good. Have to, time to watch YouTube, does he, Eddie? No, that's it. No, in between getting home at six o'clock, putting the kids to bed, and playing his piano, I don't think he's got much <laughs> time for YouTube at all. Um, I guess the only the only sour part of the second half was it was Trippier's injury. It's been a a calf injury. What the severity is at the time of recording, we don't know. But it's obviously bad enough that he, he couldn't continue in the game and things like that. I guess the the silver lining is that we have got a more than capable right back, a legitimate right back to Philly spot. We've actually probably got two legitimate right backs. I think Emil Kraft's a very good right back as well. In in his position, he's obviously a little bit more limited than 
what Livermento is, but we got a bit of a taste of what that might look like with the injury time. I don't know if it was a sealer, but the injury time goal. Now, I've been tossing and turning on this all day, Jack. Does he run from his own half or does it does a run only count when he picks the ball up, which was in <laughs> our attacking half? Now I'd love to say he's run from uh, he's run from our defensive half, but he didn't actually get the ball, but I'm not sure I don't know. Did he run from yeah. our half? Uh, he he did run from, like factually he did run from his own half. Yes. But you can't really say that he ran I know what you mean like you can't you can't claim that he's kind of r- ran with the ball from his own half because it makes it yeah. sound like some kind of like Maradona kind of a Ben Arthur kind of thing <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly Ben Arthur yeah. against Bolton that was running yeah. from his own half and scoring but um Tino is just a really good footballer like he's and he once he gets running he did he did one against Arsenal as well it's really hard he did to one get against Man United back. in the cup yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's he set Miggy, Miggy's goal up. It's really hard for the opposition to get the ball off him, which is quite unusual, I guess, in a in a fullback to be that good at dribbling, running forward, carrying the ball forward. It's really threatening. You can see that defenses don't really know what to do about it, and he doesn't necessarily look like he's going to be able to do that. Like he, he's no, quite tall, he looks like, like, he looks a bit unco too. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. He, and he's not tricky. There's not step over. He just—it's just like a slalom. Like he's just sort yeah. of going in and out, and it's—it's it's strange to watch, but it's really, really effective. It is, and it's—it's it's very direct. Uh, he kind of scuffed the ball in. I didn't know if it was known goal. Like I think he was a bit hurt when he scored because he didn't see. No, I reckon he was rubbing his neck. So unless yeah, he was no, just... he definitely meant it. He, the, yeah, the wolves. I can't remember who it was, but the wolves defender. There was a bit of a, a bounced around a, a little bit, but he actually bent over and got him got his kind of foot behind the ball and slid it into the goal. So we hundred percent meant meant to score. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah, 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 he wasn't for a bloke who's just scored his first goal at St James's Park in the Premier League. He wasn't, <laughs> mate. I'd I'd be the top of the leases, I reckon, if I, I scored I my first know. goal. I don't know whether he was a bit sort of. Whether it was kind of like a ah, oh, not he was fingered probably. <laughs> he was exhausted because he'd run so far. But yeah. the thing of Trippier as well, but Trippier has been so integral to the way that we've attacked and defended. He's just been probably the most important player along with Bruno since he signed in terms of the system that we play. So him going off is a problem in in more than more ways than one. Just losing a good defender, his leadership, everything that he brings as well. But him being in the team has also kind of restricted the system to an extent as well because he is used in that system to go forward so so much. So, and you know, he's not going to get dropped because he's so important. He's such a senior player. We've just got such a good backup for him. So it, you could tell his not. It was a bit innocuous his injury, but he knew straight away. That yeah, he, yeah. Was, that's so. that's what the concerning part was for me. That there didn't look yeah. much in it, but he knew straight away that something, something. Unless was he was good. just cold and he fancied a bit of a break as well. But, uh, <laughs> Ryan was hurting his head too. <laughs> it was sideways sleeting. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was in the photo at the end, looking all right. So hopefully it's not a long one. But if it is, you can't think of a better replacement for him. And and it will be interesting to see how the system 
evolves or changes if we've got Livermento playing at right back instead of Trippier? Like, is it going to change the the kind of style of play? Like, is this counter-attacking kind of style more like what we're going to see till the end of the season? And if it is, and if it gets results, then that's great. It shows that we've got another way that we can that we can play football, you know, um, and we're not going to try and rely on something that hasn't been working that well. So, but having said that, hasn't been working. We've still only lost to Man City, Liverpool, and Arsenal this year, yes. you know, and we're in March. So, I know we've, we've had a few annoying draws in home games, which which has been frustrating. But the form has not been as bad as you know as it has been made out to be. Sometimes I think, even though it has yeah. been a bit chaotic and frustrating, it's going to be interesting too because he really. They're very different players, aren't they? He loves to run with the ball at his feet and things like that. Trippy is more of your sort of in and around the box, playing passes, first touches and things like that. They're pretty different in the way they play. So it's going to be really interesting to see, like you said, the different setups and the different ways we're going to play and things like that. Um, just something as well I think is worth mentioning. So Livermento, he was our 20th goal scorer <laughs> This season, so only only Kraft, Target, Dummett, and Anderson are the only outfield players who haven't scored for us. So that's that's good in a way. And I mean, I would have imagined Anderson would have scored a goal if he was fit, and the other two are fullbacks and injured most mm. of the time. So it's, yeah, play. yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a pretty good achievement, and shows that we are kind of sharing the love when it comes to yeah. goals. Now, whether whether that's a deliberate act or we didn't have a choice because. 90% of them have been injured anyway, so other blokes have kind of had to score. But it's good to see that a lot of players are offering threats at different times. Yeah, like it's, you know, that's what teams want. You want more than one or two main goal threats. Newcastle didn't have this for years and years and years where our top scorer was getting like six goals and then, you know, defenders were chipping in with two or three each. But this the spread has been really good. There was a, the commentator said at one point, I think we'd scored scored more goals at this point of the season in the league than we had since the 60s. So, like I said, yeah. I was just saying before, even though it's been a really uh, bruising season at times, it's felt really difficult. It's been a real slog. We've had all the injuries, everything, all, all of that stuff. We've still been scoring goals for fun. We've still have got a lot of people scoring goals. You know, we've just gone and knocked in another three today. The goal, our goal difference is good compared to the other teams around us, so it's not all bad, you know. Like it's, <laughs> you could be forgiven for thinking we're yeah. in some kind of relegation fight. The way things have been <laughs> and the, the the reaction to defeats or to frustrating results, and I think there was always an element that this season was going to be a come down after the last, not just last season, but the season before that as well, where we had to take over and we had such a good run of form towards the end. There was always going to be a time where it was going to be harder, and we all said this before the season, and the club said it, and Eddie House said it, and it's just, yeah, it's been no one's accepted it. <laughs> yeah, it's been difficult, and it's it is hard to accept it when you're seeing kind of maybe the same issues cropping up time and time again. But take a step back, look at the big picture. It's really not that bad. <laughs> Actually, it's it's good. For, for what we're doing, two two domestic cup quarterfinals, you know, like a, a good showing in Europe, and in 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 chance with the top six, top seven in the league, it could yeah. be worse. Well, I'm just banging my head against a brick wall for for stuff like this because the 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 challenges and and things like that, they're not they're kind of self inflicted. Like 
there's there's no way in hell we'd be where we'd be if we had half the injuries that we've had. Like that's fact. Like the ability, like we've seen today, the the, the ability to substitute players and actually bring on capable replacements actually keeps us in the game because we can keep doing what we're doing. We're not fatigued. We're not making like bad decisions because we're fatigued and things like that. Like it's for me that this is fairly and squarely why we are where we are in the season that we've had is because of the injuries. And there was a a graphic that popped up on Twitter, maybe Friday night or over the weekend or something like that. And the injuries and, and the days lost through injuries. Um, so we've had 29 injuries, classified injuries. And this is not including Tenali's suspension. These are just injuries. And, and the day's loss has been 1,333 days lost through injuries. The next best or next worst, depending on <laughs> which way you want to go, is Brentford. And they, they've had 1,159 days lost through injuries. So, like, we're nearly 200 days more lost through injuries. Like, you can't you, – you can have the best – squad in the world but fatigue is real and the ability to not rotate players is real and that's for me and i'll say this every time i come on here that's the reason why we are what we are at the moment but our subs i don't think they changed the game but they they helped keep the game on our terms yeah and when you've got miggy and barnes coming on and and miley as well now you know and he's kind of an established player now like it's and Livermento come on as well. Yeah, like, like that's, you know, you're bringing sort of almost £100 million worth of players off the bench. So, and it makes a huge difference. Sometimes the most, like you just said, the most simple explanation for something is the obvious. You don't need to, everything gets analysed to the nth degree because of, you know, people like us do podcasts and, and Twitter and everyone's got a, it has to have an instant take and a, and a reaction to things. But yeah, like what you just said is so, spot on about the injuries is what's derailed the season and that's really what what all there is to it it's been a real struggle to be missing players like Willick Willick's barely played Isaac's been in and out these are two top class players who would be playing every week even now still we've got Joe Linton missing you know like if you listen to the national media at the moment they'll 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 have you believe that Liverpool have invented injuries. I think recently, so they had. <laughs> they have. Someone was they invented. The podcast, they invented fist had, pumps as well after a game. Fist and, injury, <laughs> and injury crisis. They've had a big old season, but um, they've got twelve injuries at the moment. I was just 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 for the record, we've, we've had twelve injuries for <laughs> three <they've> months. Had, <laughs> they've had two less injuries than us classified for the season. They've had twenty-seven. We'd had twenty-nine. Now remember, our day's loss was one thousand three hundred and thirty-three. They've had 865, so yeah. hardly, what, groundbreaking or bloody yeah. season-ruining days lost or injuries. Like, give it a rest. I understand it's Liverpool, so it's, you know, it's there's a lot of noise around them. But, yeah, like, and, and you know, they've, they've got a higher profile than the nerves. And I think our injuries have been kind of widely reported. But it, it definitely got to a stage where people were just fatigued and, like, the players were fatigued. And everyone was fatigued about hearing about injuries, but that doesn't make it any less true that that's what's caused yeah. such a problem <laughs> at times this season. And it's the physical fatigue, the mental fatigue, the not being able to make subs. Like it's all just fed into it. And we're still have made two cup quarterfinals, not far from going through in Europe. And then we're sitting in eighth in the league with a pretty good, pretty good fixtures coming up. So 
in with a shot at top six, I think. And when all said and done, it's going to be viewed as a difficult, I think a challenging season where there's been problems, but a very important season in terms of the club learning, a steep learning curve for Eddie Howe. Let's just see what happens from that. But we've still got we've still got one cup tie, which let's just not even think about that because it's no, we don't. It's <laughs> and we've got what eleven league games as well. So yeah, still yeah, a lot to still plenty to play, play for. Yeah. Um. Now, well, I just want to touch on something uh, post game. Like we we spoke about it earlier. I think the this performance in this game was more like us and, and the Newcastle that we've kind of fallen, not fallen in love with, we've always loved them, but we've sort of come to know over the last kind of couple of seasons and things like that as well. And I thought we were really hard to play against, which we haven't been at times, especially this year and, I mean, in, in 2024. But we're back to rattling opposition managers too, Jack. I'm not sure if you come across... This after the game, but I'll just read you a quote from Gary O'Neill from his press conference. He said, there's no way Newcastle let us have the ball. I know Newcastle. I know Eddie Howe. The reason we had the ball was because of how good we were on the ball. I thought our structure was better than theirs and we caused more problems than theirs did ours. Funny that Eddie come after the game and Eddie had also said that, uh, no, it was a... Uh, deliberate play <laughs> deliberate tactic that that we did do and he said we wanted to play a more of a transition game and things like that gary can spin it any way he likes but he got got as as some some of the cool kids like to say jay yeah sometimes managers say things straight after games where it's like maybe if you'd had a bit an extra hour to reflect you wouldn't have said that. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. You can't yeah. really come after you've been beaten three 0 And let's not forget Willick, Willick's chance as well, which was a, a goal. Yeah. Oh, what a great! Half. That was an unbelievable clearance. That. So, so you can't really say that the, the structure was better. And like, I don't, I don't think so. Like, they didn't cause us any problems whatsoever in the first half. They did have that spell in the second half, but that's kind of to be expected in Premier League games. Like, there's always a an ebb and, and you've flow, got a two so. goal lead as well, and. Yeah, like and things like that. I don't, I don't know why he really said that. Like the Wolves, are, Wolves have been good this season. They're, they're a decent team. They've got some good players, but I, I think today we just, I think Eddie tactically outsmarted him actually, and I didn't actually know that Howard said that as well about that yeah. being a, a deliberate yeah. plan. That's actually really encouraging because it, it shows that he's looked at Wolves, which he knew he knew, knew he does anyway. He's diligent in his preparation, but the like, old rocket dog. And and it, and it just sort of that's two fingers at people who said we've only got one way of playing, you know, which which is not it's never been true anyway. But no, that always makes me laugh. to get to get a result like this uh, from a different style of play is really really good. So I think yeah, Gary might have a different opinion when he watches it back a bit yeah. and sees the game in full. <laughs> yeah, that always makes me laugh. Oh, he's got no plan plan B to make plan A work better. You know, you know, I'm sure that these blokes who are at the club up to 12 hours a day during the week and formulate, they video, they code every session and, and go through it and things like that. And all they've got is just, we're going to play this way <laughs> and I don't care who we're playing or who we got out, we're playing this way. It always it always makes me laugh, the Duffies and things like that. So um, 
We'll finish off, Jack. I'll ask you something. It could be the hardest question we talk about tonight. Who's your 3-2-1 for your man of the match? Right. I always get confused. This is three. Like three's the, the best. Three's the best, right? No, no, so three's the best. Three, three votes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we're going to go in, in a in a Brownlow medal format. All right, okay. So Most votes wins. We should actually do this proper at the end of the year and um, so maybe not now, but the, the next season and actually keep a running tally of – of who we are, we can. I think I named it the Craigmore Medal because <laughs> I think all the Mark Viduka Medal, the only the two Australians who have played for Newcastle, so we can have that uh, have that connection there. But so you you can start with the yeah, one okay. if you like. So you want vote. This this is quite hard. There was a lot of players. Very hard. Played, yes, played really well. So um, I'm going to go with. I think I'll go with Dubravka. One. I thought he would be thinking before. I thought he'd be the man of the match but I don't think I don't think he was he had a good he did what he needed to do really well it was it was good to see him keep a clean sheet so he's going to get one two I'm going to give to Bruno um Bruno was just brilliant again like he is pretty much every game at the moment he's playing a really disciplined controlled game avoiding getting booked he's doing really well pushing further forward like I said he, he played a big part in the the first goal with that lung busting run but three was Fabian Schaar. I think we've talked about his role in all three goals. The pass for Livermento was fantastic. We didn't really touch on that in depth. Yes. To, ha- to have that it's composure amazing. when you're in your own oh. your own box when you've just, just been under pressure. Ping. <laughs> so he did that. He did that for all three goals, and he was he was definitely back to his best. He had a hard game at Arsenal. Um, Botman was good as well today. In fact, everyone was pretty good. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's why I'll go Dubravka, Bruno, Shah, and that's without even Anthony Gordon, who was excellent again as well. Yeah, so I reckon if you ask twenty people this, you could get twenty different versions of a three-two-one. So I I gave one to Gordon. I thought he he was unreal, and his work rate, like I mentioned earlier, was was superb. I gave Shah too, especially like you said. They're kind of like the assist assists. I think you might have mentioned them one of the pods mm. as well. And I gave Bruno three. I thought he he was unreal. Controlled the game. That no look pass as well to Miggy. <laughs> that Miggy last year would have gobbled it up, but Miggy this yeah. year didn't look like scoring. That was unbelievable. I'm sure if you go on his Twitter, he likes to. I don't know if he does it or someone does it for him, and he reposts it like a little highlights clip of of his game, which which happens. Regardless of the result, he likes to just put his own highlights out there, which is which is fun to see. So yeah, he, he gets my three. I'll quickly just touch on the stats as well before we go. Um so there's just one thing here I wanted to talk about. So we're on the left hand side here for those who are watching. We had 19 tackles to eight. Jack, um now we spoke last week after the Arsenal game about our ability to not tackle and, and not get stuck in and whether Longstaff was scared, Miley's too light, Bruno's yeah. scared because he's on one more yellow card and things like that. But um, if you look at sort of the, the tackle count of 19, we had, I think we had eight against Arsenal. Yeah. So that, that's a massive increase with similar possession as well. So I think the boys really got stuck in, which was great to see. And I just wanted to mention that before we finish because I think it's very important. To show, I know maybe the conditions played a part in, in a game being more tackling and things like that, but I think our attitude and our mindset was was probably more of a factor than what the weather was. So I just thought it was important yeah. to bring that up before we before we signed off. 
I think as well, Arsenal was a really bad performance, especially the first half. But Arsenal are in absolutely brilliant form and they might go on and win the league. So, like, you have to... I know we were bad, but they were brilliant as well. And when Arsenal are in this kind of form, they're going to probably beat most teams. You know, they've got Man City coming up and I think it's going to be hard. Man City, that game, so... You kind of just put that one to bed and try not to think about it anymore. But since then, you know, we said we need to try and qualify for the next round of the cup, and then we need to try and win this game. And this can really kickstart our season, I think, because we've got eleven league games to go. That's what thirty-three points to play for. Yeah, I think probably one midweek game left. Yeah, and we've got Crystal Palace one. We've got home games as well against West Ham and Brighton, and. We'll play Spurs at home. So these are all clubs that are around us. We've still got Man United away as well. So I think we're in a good position. And if we can get a bit of confidence back, if we can keep people like Willock and um, and Isak and, and Bruno, keep them fit for the rest of the season. Eddie, yeah. Eddie's, Eddie's teams generally finish well. Like both of his seasons with us, we've, we've finished well. So maybe the conditioning is going to come into, into play then. But really important week really positive um and we've got i think we've got nine day break now until we play chelsea as well chelsea so yeah good. so break there. yeah so that'll do we won't have a nine day break though we'll be back during the week for a preview of chelsea so stick around or don't stick around because you'll probably be waiting a few days just check back in in a few days time and and look for that jack thanks very much for joining us mate it's been a pleasure it's always great to talk about a win much better than Talking about losses and other negative things, and we're pretty positive people, so it's it's good to have you on, Mark. Thank you very much, and I'll see you soon. See you later. See ya. Yeah.